Very good. Appreciate that. Let's take our Bibles tonight, and we're going to be in a lot of Scripture, different places, but we're going to start out in the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 13, uh, Proverbs chapter 13. We've been uh, talking here on Sunday night, uh, looking at different principles of stewardship, and uh, about every other year or so, uh, we uh, bring this, and just a good reminder for us, and to help us, and so uh, tonight, we're going to continue talking about some principles about that. Find your place, stand with me together, please, Proverbs chapter 13. And uh, we're going to read a verse in this chapter, and then we're going to read a verse in chapter 14 as well. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, He says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. And then look at Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 23, probably just across the page for you, or the next page over. He says this, In all labor there is profit. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Let's pray. Lord, meet with us tonight, God. We thank you again for all you do for us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your greatness. Thank you, God, for the gathering of your people, Lord. And I pray you'd help us tonight. Lord, again, speak to our hearts and uh, show us and teach us some things from your word. We love you and thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, obviously, if uh, you're going to be a a good steward, if we're going to be financially responsible then we have to have a source of income. And uh, what we're going to talk about tonight is this, uh, the importance of a work ethic, the importance of a work ethic. I understand, and again, I take time to time when, I, when we teach about these things and uh, to commend our church. And uh, I'm thankful that we, uh, we uh, attend a church that is filled with working people. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for that. And it just it does my heart good. And uh, it's, um, it's good to see that. So these principles we're going to talk about tonight um, <clears throat> may just reaffirm what you're already doing. But sometimes it's good for us to just reaffirm things and establish things <laughs> Truth be told, folks, a lot of reasons sometimes I teach certain things is so that we can then make sure we're teaching them and instilling them in the lives of our children. Amen? And Because, listen, folks, if, if, if we don't teach our kids, who's going to teach them? I mean, you really want the public school system being the primary teacher uh, of all things knowledge to your children? Are you kidding me? I mean, you want, you want uh, uh, the TV to teach them things? I mean, listen, no, we as parents, it's our responsibility to make sure our children are properly trained in certain areas. And the area that we're going to talk about tonight is this of the work ethic. Now, the primary source of income should come through labor. Labor. The Bible emphasizes the importance of it. It commends the diligent man, condemns the slothful and wasteful man. And when it comes to the importance of hard work, listen, folks, the Bible pulls no punches when it comes to the importance of this. And again, I understand some folks are at the stage of life where uh, you've uh, been able to retire uh, from your job and uh, or uh, other circumstances, and I understand that. And uh, But all that to say, the majority of us are still involved in this and are teaching our children these things. And so let's look at some principles tonight about the work ethic. Uh, here's some other verses I didn't read to you, but we'll, I'll read them to you now. Proverbs 21, verse 25. The desire of the sloth will kill him, for his hands refuseth to labor. Ecclesiastes 3.13, and also that every man should, here's what it says, enjoy the good of all his labor, it is the gift of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little 
for much. And then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he, that he may have to give to him that needeth. And let me just uh, uh, <clears throat> help us and understand this, folks, that God blesses the, the man and woman who is willing to work. Amen? God blesses that. Uh, again, the work was not a result of a sin curse. Uh, the labor being difficult, labor being hard, harder than it had to be, was a result of a sin curse. But listen, God made mankind to work. Amen? That's what He made for us to do. And uh, uh, even in, in the Garden of Eden, before sin came along, God gave Adam a job. He was to keep the garden. He was to protect the garden. He was to name the animals. He was to dress it. He was to keep it. I mean, listen, that taking care of that garden was his job. Amen? And God created him to do that. And so, uh, as Christians, it's important that we understand the importance of a work ethic. Now, the primary source of our income comes from diligent labor. And uh, that is something that we see all throughout the Scripture. And uh, there's so many blessings that will come to a person who is willing to just get up every day and go to work. Amen? There's a lot of problems that will come into life of a person who is unwilling to just get up every day and go to work. My grandpa always taught me this. He would always say to me, he says, if you learn to work hard, you'll always make it life. Let me tell you, that is exactly true because it's a Bible principle. And that's why young people support in your youth to develop a good work ethic. Now, the Bible talks about this person here we read about in the book of Proverbs known as the diligent man. The diligent man. Webster's 1828 defines diligence as this. Steady in application to business, constant effort to accomplish what is undertaken, exertion of body or mind without unnecessary delay or sloth, to give due attention, industrious. Now, I know that was a mouthful, but all those words, um, of course, are all backed up by Bible principles there. And so that's a good definition, if you will, of a diligent man. Again, notice what the verse said in Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard desires and have nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Now listen, I know when we say that word right there, we get nervous, okay? Because nobody wants to, uh, that particular word to be associated with it, but it's referring to having what you need and more than you need. Amen? Unless you know where that comes from, it comes from being diligent. Diligent. A diligent man not only is willing to put in the effort to achieve the prize, but he also values the prize. Again, parents, that's why it's important to teach your kids how to work and not hand them everything. Because if you buy it for them, how are they going to appreciate it if they don't learn to work for it? Now, I understand, okay, come on within reason, all right? You don't make your seven and eight-year-old work to help you pay the mortgage, okay? Or at least you shouldn't, all right? Uh, or pay the light bill, though. As parents, it's our responsibility. But as they get older, it's important for them to uh, purchase things that uh, for themselves, and listen, yeah, have, save that birthday money. Save that money from doing odd jobs. Or as they get older, work a job. Teach them to save and to earn and to buy the things. Because we know this is true. If you earn it and you pay your own money for it, you'll appreciate it more. Amen. You'll appreciate it more. It's kind of like when the boys were growing up, and you know, uh, as boys do, they uh, they would uh, like uh, getting into my tools and doing this and doing that. And uh, you know what? Uh, so from time to time, I'd find stuff laying around and try to teach them to put it up. But, you know, it's pretty interesting. Now that they're buying their own stuff, I don't see that stuff laying around the yard, okay? You know, uh, uh, they're, uh, the stuff that they're buying for themselves, oh, no, it's kept up. You know, it's, it's put up where it's supposed to be. You know why? Because they paid with it for their money, that's why. Amen? 
And listen, there's just something about when you labor for it, you appreciate it more. Now, uh, along with being diligent, the opposite of diligence is what the Bible calls, and again, I've said this before, but I love God's definition for it, slothfulness. Slothfulness, okay? God warns against that. And I mean, uh, <clears throat> uh, slothfulness is killing our society, folks. It's killing us. And in fact, uh, uh, you know, again, you don't have to wear a tinfoil hat to believe all this stuff. But if you really want to be honest, our government has created a society that's dependent upon government. By the way, they're doing it on purpose. Because think about this. If you're dependent upon government, they can control you. And let me tell you what, what this, again, all this has come to this new world order. That's what it's coming down to. And that's not conspiracy. That's Bible. Amen. Okay. But listen, how are they going to be able to do that? They must exert control over the population. That's why during the tribulation period, you won't buy, sell, or trade without that mark. Total control. Okay? Now, we're not there yet, obviously, but all the stuff you're seeing is leading up to that. Just like we talked about this morning, all this hoax about climate change. Let me tell you, that's a man-made hoax to control people. All that is. Mankind does not have the power to destroy what God said would be until He said he would do away with it. Amen? Man, mankind, how arrogant is mankind to think that we can destroy something that God established? But let me tell you what all this is about. This all, this green stuff. And I'm all about being a good steward, okay? I don't think you ought to roll down your window and check the trash out and all that. That's ridiculous. I don't believe that at all. But all this idea of, you know, green energy and this and that. By the way, just, again, do some research. How's that working, by the way? Okay? You know, all these states, and by the way, a lot of these European countries that bought into this stuff a few years ago, that's why the coal industry's up. Because they're fig figuring out solar and wind, people are dying from cold and all that other stuff because it just it's not feasible. It doesn't make sense. Why are they pushing this so hard? It's about control is what it's about. Because if they can control that, they then can control the lives we, 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 we live and how we live, and thus they can exert control of the population. Again, that's not conspiracy theory. That's just seeing a reading Bible prophecy, seeing where this thing's going. Amen? Okay? So look at some of this stuff. Pay attention to some of this stuff. But all that to say, slothfulness is killing our country. It's killing us. Amen? And that's why uh, even our own area... I mean, the, the economic opportunity, there's no reason anybody that lives within our area doesn't have a job if they want a job. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, you've got some businesses in our, in our community that are now waiving drug screenings and things like that because they just need bodies there. By the way, some of the folks that show up aren't that reliable, but yet they got to have somebody to put here or put there, so they're pretty much hiring anybody. It's not hard to get a job right now in this community. And it's there for the taking, but the problem is, and I'm not saying everybody's like this, but there's a lot of slothfulness out there. There's people who would rather not do anything, and they work harder at getting out of work than they would just working. Amen? Here's what the Bible says. Again, God doesn't pull any punches when it comes to this stuff. Proverbs 15, 19. The way of the slothful man is as a hedge of thorns. Proverbs 21, 25. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. Proverbs 26, 14. As the door turneth upon its hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. Proverbs 6, 9. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Proverbs uh, 10, 26. As vinegar to teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that send him. Proverbs 26, 16. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit, and seven men that can render reason. Isn't that the truth? Amen? 
I mean, yeah, somebody is, it's amazing the excuses people come up with to get out of work, okay? Or I'll add to this, to get out of church. <laughs> I mean, I see it all the time. I mean, you know, everybody's got this reason, that reason. No, it's not a reason, it's an excuse. Amen. And the sluggard, that's what he does when it comes to work. And the Bible says he's smarter a lot of times than just uh, 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 seven people who can render a legitimate reason because they work harder to get out of work than they do to just work. So here's the question, all right? And this is a good question for us. Are we shirking or are we working? Shirking or working? Uh, let me tell you how an immature person views hard work. As something to be avoided. They slink away from it. They hide when others jump in and help. By the way, the change of maturity of growing up, especially for young people, comes when they learn to begin the right, proper way to view labor. Amen? Let me tell you, a lazy person feels like they, they won when they get out of work. A man feels uh, like he's cheated if he's denied the opportunity to labor. Amen? And so let's make sure that we aren't shirking, but we are working. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. Are we dead again? Cut now. All right. So uh, we'll switch them out here. No problem. There we go. All right. Very good. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter four. Let's look at that. First Thessalonians chapter four. The book, uh, the Church of Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul must have had reports of laziness within the congregation of the church. And notice what we see here in this admonition. By the way, it's followed by another rebuke in the second letter. Notice what he says. Very famous passage of scripture in First Thessalonians chapter four. He says this. And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business, notice this, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. And so again, this is a reminder to the church of what the Holy Spirit wanted the congregation of the church of Thessalonica to know, that they study to be quiet, okay? And again, we're not talking about nobody not saying anything. It's, it's talking about, and the next part of that verse uh, uh, lends to what it's talking about, and to do your own business. So there's people in the church going through the church yak, yak, yakking and uh, worrying about everybody else's business instead of their own business. Amen? And so he's, he, he admonishes that church. Listen, you just quit worrying about everybody else is what he's saying. Mind your own business and get to work. That's what he's saying. Get to work. Amen? Now, I do believe that's talking about physical labor when it comes to jobs and, and, and what we do to provide for our families. But I also believe it's talking about when it comes to working for the Lord. Because let me just say this, folks. As Christians, you know, the, the devil will take what he can get, right? Okay? And if, if he can't take your soul, he'll take your effectiveness. And he might try to do with Christians what he did with the children of Israel. Oh, they were busy. They were working. But they were building the cities of, uh, uh, for Pharaoh of Egypt. And they weren't busy doing the work of the Lord. God had to get them out of Egypt so they could start doing God's work. And sometimes Satan will distract us. And yeah, we might be busy doing this, doing that, but are we busy for the Lord? Amen? Now listen, we got to do both. we got to balance it all out. And there is a balance, and we can live a balanced life in this area. And then go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's flip over there. Let's look at some of these verses here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received from us. And then he says this, For even when we were with you, this we command you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. 
For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. See, there you go. Almost the same thing he said in the first, uh, uh, the first letter. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. By the way, you know what you see right there? It's called capitalism. I told you God's a capitalist. Okay? He's not a communist. He's not a socialist. He's a capitalist. Okay? He expects for us to take care of ourselves. That's what he expects. Amen? He expects for you as the uh, as your family unit to take care of your family. Okay? Now there's not times, obviously there's times where we're to help each other. Okay? The Bible tells us that. But listen to me, if, if, if people are looking for the church to take care of them, that's not what the church's job is, amen? By the way, it's not anybody else's job to take care of you, it's your job, amen? That's why God has given you the abilities He's given you. Now again, I understand there are certain circumstances, there are certain things where there's legitimate people who need help, they're disabled and all that, and God makes some provision for that. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, listen, if you can get out of bed every morning, and yeah, I get it. The older we get, the more pain and the harder it is to get out of bed in the morning sometimes, okay? You're going to have aches, you're going to have pains, there's certain things going on. But listen, as long as you're able to, you need to take care of yourself, okay? And that's what the Bible says, that you, with quietness of work, eat thine own bread, amen? And that's why I always say this, I don't mind trying to give somebody a hand up, but I'm not about giving hands out, handouts. Because sometimes God puts a person in a situation where he's trying to teach them something. And if we are always bailing people out of the problems, how are they ever going to learn? Right? Sometimes God wants them to go through difficult times so they can learn. You know hunger is a good seasoning and a good motivation? You know? I mean, come on now. Now again, I'm not saying we're not, we're not there to, to do and help when we can. All I'm saying is, it's important that we have the right view of labor and that we then again teach that to other people and that we don't enable lazy people. And God's viewpoint is very clear on this matter of laziness. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. <laughs> That's what he says, amen? And again, um, uh, hunger is a good motivation for things. So if you shirk work, you'll soon gain a shameful reputation among people who do work. Work for, for, uh, is the proving ground of maturity. It provides its reward. A person who is enthusiastically embracing a job can rejoice both at work and after the work for he experienced the joy of true biblical maturity. Amen? Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 through 5. But let every man prove his own work. Then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. I mean, are you starting to figure this thing out, folks? That God expects us to be involved in work. Amen? In work. Now, I understand, again, there's different types of work, okay? Not everybody's going to do the same thing. Uh, somebody may work just as hard at a desk job as opposed to a physical labor job, many different ways of work. But regardless, we ought to be involved in it. Now, why should we? Well, the first and foremost reason is because God tells us to. Amen? That's the number one reason. By the way, that's the number one motivation we ought to do anything in the Christian life because God says to do it. Because He's God. The Scripture commands for us to. But do you know that there's rewards for diligence? There's rewards for that. Okay? You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, let's go back to Proverbs. Back to Proverbs. Okay? And uh, let's look at... Um, uh, let's go... Uh, uh, back to uh, Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 4. Here's the reward we see. Your life will be richer for being diligent. Okay, notice what he says. Proverbs 10, 4. 
He that becometh poor, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Now, folks, listen. Okay, again, there's balance in it all. All right? Our lives should not be consumed with just, you know, accumulate, accumulate, being rich, being rich. But come on, folks, that's the way God works. If you want, you've got to work for it. Okay? And you know what? And I do believe it is, it is talking about materialistic riches here. Okay? I mean, listen, the reason you live where you live and the house you have is because you're able to provide and pay for it by going to work. Right? I mean, come on, folks. I tell you right now, I wouldn't live where I live and have what I have if I, if I didn't work. I wouldn't. I mean, come on. I mean, even when it comes to, you know, getting a mortgage, I mean, what's the first thing they want to see? They want to see proof of income, right? They want to see that you're working <laughs> and you got some income coming in. So listen, you'll never have hardly anything in life if you're not willing to work for it. And so if you're diligent, you know what? The Bible says the hand of the diligent maketh rich. So yes, I do believe it's talking about material, materialistic things, but it also, listen, there's, there's more ways of being rich than just having money in your bank account. I mean, I feel like I'm a very rich person, not because I have a ton of money in my bank account, but because of the blessings of God on my life. I mean, come on, folks. Let's start translating this to other things. How about this? Listen, you're not going to have a rich marriage unless you work at it. You know what marriage is? Work. Okay? That's what it is. It's work. Now, it's fun work. Okay? Most of the time it is. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's not as fun, but most of the time. You know what? But it's work. If you have a good relationship, you got to work. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to have a good family, a good relationship with your children, let me tell you what that takes. A lot of work. Especially when they're young, okay. Listen, I'm I'm thankful God's blessed me, and uh, and I credit God for all this, and I credit my wife for all this. Amen. It's not because of me; it's in spite of me. But you know what? I have a very blessed family. We enjoy our family. We, but you know what? The reason we can enjoy them more probably now that they're older is because there was a, so much work that went involved when they were younger. Amen. And listen, that that's that's true when it comes to your uh, uh, your family. By the way, if we want to have a, a a good church and we want to have a, a rich church, and I'm not just again talking about materialistic money stuff. I'm talking about a church rich in God's blessings. You know what's going to take work. It'll take work. You know why? Because obeying God is work. Okay. Listen, to have a church the way God wants for us to have, it requires labor. By the way, not just my labor, all of our labor. Amen. I mean, come on. I love, and, I, and we talk about it quite a bit because it, to me it's such an important, passionate thing, but our missions program. Man, I love that. And I love the fact that God's allowing us. Uh, last year we gave $30,000 in missions. That's a powerful thing for a church this size. Amen? And you know what? We want to we do more. We want to increase more. But you know how that's going to be possible? The work of God's people. I mean, that's how it's going to happen, folks. Amen? It's the only way it's going to happen. And so there, I'm telling you, though, your life will be richer if you're diligent. Guarantee it. Amen? Because I don't guarantee it. God guarantees it through His Word. Uh, let's look at Proverbs chapter 12. Let's look at the next principle, the reward of diligence here. Proverbs chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 24. He says this, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. And then, uh, you don't have to turn here, but I'm going to read this verse to you. Proverbs 22, verse 29. See, if thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Let me tell you what else being diligent will do. It will cause your opportunities to increase. Your opportunities to increase. Did you notice what he said here? The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. Okay, it's talking about promotion. Talking about being in a place of authority. 
Talking about, you know, being, if we want to use this terminology, higher up the ladder. Okay? How does that happen? How do these opportunities increase? By being diligent. By being diligent. Again, let's relate this to a, a, a job that you've worked at, okay? When you first hire in, and if you work for a company, you start at the bottom, okay? Or if you're starting a business, uh, your name's not out there yet, you start at the bottom. But the harder you work, guess what? More opportunities come, uh, come available, okay? If you, if you develop a good reputation, a good work ethic, I mean, especially what I do in my trade. I'm involved in, 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 in the trades. And uh, truth be told, uh, the reason that we have a successful flooring business is because uh, we do good work, word of mouth, so-and-so tells so-and-so, so and that person tells somebody else, and so-and-so and so, and it goes that way. I'm just going to tell you, the, 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 the more diligent you are, the more opportunities come your way. And listen, that's true where you work at. I mean, if you're diligent, wherever you're at, wherever you hired in at, if you're diligent, you know, you, you can climb the ladder, more opportunities, more economic opportunities, I mean, and so on and so forth. It's a Bible principle. Now, listen, I understand, again, we're keeping everything in balance here. That's not what all of our life is about, okay? It's not all about who can I step on, who can I climb over to get as high as I can get. That's not what it's about. But in the process of being a diligent Christian, listen, I promise you, you will be head and shoulders above the rest. Listen, if you just show up to work, your head and shoulders above most, okay? And when you show up, you're honest, and you do a good job, and you give your boss the, uh, X amount of hours for X amount of pay, and you don't cheat, you don't rob, you just do it right. Listen, folks, I'm telling you, people will take note because you're not like the norm. Amen? And so being diligent will cause your opportunities to increase. I remember when I was a teenager and <clears throat> started learning the flooring trade. And uh, started out helping my cousin when I was 13 years old. In fact, when I'm working with a lot of people, you know, a lot of conversation comes up. And, and uh, a couple things, all, you know, it always comes up that I'm a pastor because I bring it up, amen, because I'm looking for opportunities to witness to people and, uh, you know, uh, uh, be a good testimony for a church and those types of things. But then uh, it almost always comes up. People always ask me, how long have you been doing this? And you know what? It surprised me not that long ago when I started crunching the numbers. This is my 29th year in the flooring trade. 29 years. He's just, whoosh. old or something? What in the world? No, now it doesn't mean, okay, I've been a skilled craftsman for 29 years. It just meant I've been involved in the trade for that long. I started out helping my cousin when I was 13 years old. And uh, in the summertime, just working the summertime. I did this all through high school and then through Bible college. I worked my, worked my way through Bible college doing this. And I'll be honest with you, I had no idea back when I was just a, you know, 13-year-old, uh, you know, dorky little teenager, amen, little scrawny little teenager, you know, sweeping floors and spreading glue and picking up scraps and all that stuff. I had no idea that if I stayed diligent at this, the opportunities that one day would open up for me. Now, listen, the reason I'm where I'm at today uh, is because of the reward of diligence. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect at everything and I'm, you know, I'm the greatest example of anything, but all that to say, listen, diligence pays off. And you got to stick with it. You can't just be diligent for you know a couple years and oh it didn't this didn't happen the way I thought it would. So you know I ain't no use doing this. No, you stick with it. And by the way, you know what you find out is this: uh, days turn into months, months turn into uh, years, years uh, turn into decades. And before you know it, you look back and you're almost three decades into something. Okay. And so uh, opportunities will increase the more diligent you are. And then last of all, let me give you this. Man, this is good. Go to Proverbs 13, verse 4. Proverbs 13, verse 4. And again, I want you to get this, folks, because not that, uh, again, 
I, I feel like we're, for the most part, I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I'm preaching to people who are living this, who's a part of it. But listen, let's just reaffirm these principles in our lives, okay? Let's reaffirm them. And uh, let's not get lazy in areas. And yes, I'm talking about providing for our family, but I'm also talking about when it comes to the things of the Lord and working for God. By the way, just like this Saturday, okay, we're having a work day. And uh, you know what that means? That means we need some stuff done around the church. There shouldn't be three or four of us here Saturday. Okay? Now, ladies, I, I don't need you here Saturday. Okay? And the reason I say that, there are going to be some work days I need you. Okay, especially once we get going out there, there's going to be some work days. We're calling the whole church work day, ladies, men, everything. What we have to do around here Saturday is just some, you know, uh, you know, construction type work and that kind of thing. Okay, and so uh, it's not that I know a lot of ladies would show up. Okay, but all that to say, men, we need to be here for that. Now it should be an unusual thing if the pastor says, and we don't even do it that much around here very much, although we're going to once we get that building going on. Listen, we need to uh, move whatever we need to move and be present at something like that because, listen to me, the work of the Lord is more important even than other work we'd have to do. It's the work of the Lord. And again, uh, I, I think I told you this last year, but I want to commend you once again. Last year, at this time, we were going over to Jasper on Saturdays and helping out with the construction over there uh, with Brother Young at Living Hope Baptist Church. And toward the end of that project, Pastor Ross, him and I were talking, and he told me, he says, you know, Brother Chad told me, of course, Brother Chad Gordon was the foreman over all that. He said uh, that our church, White River Baptist Church, had, had as many, if not more men over there working than even, than, than even some of the days Blessed Hope did. Now listen, that, that, that's not, we're not bragging on ourselves, I, uh, although I'm kind of bragging on you about that. Listen, I, I appreciate that. We have men who catch that, catch that vision. But what I'm trying to say is let's not just be diligent when it comes to going and providing a paycheck for our family. Let's be diligent when it comes to the things of the Lord as well. Amen? And let's take God's work just as serious because truth be told, folks, when this thing's said and done, it's the eternal work that's really going to matter the most. Amen? One more verse here, Proverbs 13, verse 4. Notice what he says. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. By the way, isn't that true? Amen? Oh, man, I wish. Here, oh, I just wish. I wish I was as lucky as you are. Okay, I've had people say that to me before, okay? Uh, I remember one time we, uh, we were driving the church van, and uh, we were, this is years ago, and uh, over 20 years ago, and uh, we, uh, this is before I was youth pastor. My wife and I, we'd pick up kids and bring them to Sunday night church and take them home. And one of the boys in the church van, uh, he came from a family that who's uh, the dad, here's what the dad taught, taught the teenagers. When you turn 18, here's how you go get signed up for, for uh, SSI, uh, you know, disability, social security insurance. Here's how you do it. And the one boy said, well, Dad, why do I want to do that? There's nothing wrong with me. He said, oh, I know what things you can write down to lie about that so you can get it anyway. Okay? And that's the type of family this young man was coming from. And so he uh, said to me, he says, oh, we were talking about a vacation we're getting ready to go on. Uh, back in 2004, so that's how long it's been. Uh, for Christmas that year, me and my brother uh, bought my grandpa a uh, vacation to the Grand Canyon. And uh, in fact, Faith was two years old. That's the one, the vacation I told you about, where she was on the little leash, right? And were you even in here for that? All right. Her little yellow, I, might, I know I have pictures of that somewhere. And this little yellow coat she had on with a little leash on her back so she wouldn't fall into the Grand Canyon. And uh, we'll dig those pictures out. We'll show them around. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we were talking about that vacation. And me and my brother had uh, saved our money. Of course, we took our wives and all that. And uh, we flew my grandpa out to the Grand Canyon. And we spent a week out there. And we did some other things. And we were talking about that. 
And, and, that, and that boy, that teenage boy, looked at me. We were talking about that. And he said, oh, really? He's like, who paid for that for you? I looked at him. I said, see this right here, buddy? Okay, This right here is what paid for that for, for us. I said, it's called hard work. I say nobody paid for that except me. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we, we labored for it. We worked for it. And it was almost like that was such a foreign concept because, you know what, that's what he'd been taught. Okay? That's what he'd seen. That's what he'd been taught. And so it, it's important that we um, pass this down uh, to uh, the right thing to our young people. All right, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. Okay, the soul of the sluggard desireth and nothing, but, here's the opposite, the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. That word fat there, it's talking about being healthy. Okay, it's talking about having what you need, having more. And so, listen, your mind and your heart, because again, the soul is referring to that real part of you, how you think and how you feel, okay? The, 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 uh, your, your, um, <clears throat> your heart and mind will be healthy if you're diligent. Let me say that again. Your heart and mind will be healthy if you're diligent. You know what that means? It means this. God blesses hard work. God blesses diligence. And I'm going to tell you, this is so true. I mean, there's been a fact, okay, it was back in, I'm trying to remember when it was, uh, back sometime in December when we had that first snowstorm come through. And uh, there was one day, uh, I don't remember what day it was on, where the weather was really bad, it was cold, nasty, not a day you want to be out. And I did not leave my driveway that day. Now, that's the first time, and I can even tell you how long, I've never left my driveway in a day, okay? And, um, you know, we were just sitting around doing nothing, okay? You didn't want to go outside, it was nasty. You didn't want to do anything, you know, whatever. didn't really have any projects to do. So I'm just kind of sitting around, chilling out. And I'll be honest with you, okay? I'm not saying I don't like having some downtime. I don't like enjoying being around my family, that kind of stuff. I'm just being, at the end of the day, I felt horrible. I really did. I mean, I, I was tired. I was like, just I was unusually tired. I'm like, why is it? Because I sat in my chair and ate all day and did nothing. <laughs> kind of like Thanksgiving, right? And uh, But I'm just like, why do I feel so bad? I'm like, duh, I didn't do anything today. I'll be honest with you. I do better off, okay? It, it's my own personal life here, just, just you know, kind of talking about me. If I'm feeling bad, okay, some mornings, you know how it is, we, especially this time of year, just get up, don't feel good. Let me tell you, I feel better by pushing through, getting to work, and getting busy. And when I am busy, and I'm moving, and I'm accomplishing, let me tell you, yeah, I may have this, may have that, but I feel a whole lot better if I laid around in bed all day. Now, I get it, okay, legitimate sickness. If I'm legitimately sick, I'm being in bed all day, okay? I'm just talking about, you know, not feeling good or a little bit of sinus or whatever, okay? Now, listen to me. Just get up and go to work. Amen, if you can, all right? And it's amazing how that God blesses that. I'm going to tell you, good work will make your mind and heart healthy. It'll make it healthy, amen? To me, some of the most satisfying times of my day is when I'm driving home going to, or from work going home. I put a good day in. Yeah, my body might be a little tired, but, you know, I'm looking forward to going home, seeing the family, eating supper, being with the family, and I put a good day's work in. It just makes me feel good. It's probably the best, one of the best parts of my day where, where physically, mentally, emotionally, I just feel good because I put in a good day work. Amen? And so let me just encourage us all, all right? Guard against laziness and sloppiness. Guard against that. Even if you've got a good work ethic sometimes, sometimes you drop the ball on it, and we get lazy in some areas. Let's not do that. Amen? Let's... um. Let's uh, uh, keep towing the line in this area. Let's always work hard and put in our best effort. Because I'm telling you, God rewards it. Amen? Amen? God rewards it. And so again, church, let me say thank you.
for literally being an example of the things I was talking about tonight. I mean that. We're, lit, we're, we're sitting in a church of people who uh, either right now are working and uh, doing well or you spent your whole life doing that and now you're enjoying the retirement years because you spent a whole life doing that. Amen? And you put the time in. You did what you had to do. And so thank you for your work ethic. And let's just keep it up. Amen? And let's make sure we apply the same work ethic when it comes to the things of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.